Brought to you by Feitner Productions. In a world where old guys with deep voices record all the movie trailers, where women's voices are too high pitch, annoying, and squeaky, one male podcast host with weak listenership dares let his guests take over the reins and run the show. Beyond Unreasonable Doubt and Verboden Productions presents Laying Down the Law. With Kristen Lucas, your host. That's me. For today, at least. Did you think you were in a movie? Yeah, I felt like I was in a movie. <laughs> I did. Welcome to Laying Down the Law, the law and comedy podcast where your host is secure enough in his masculinity to hand over the microphone but too insecure to let go of a really tired idea for a show opening that he's repeated over and over and over again and beaten to a pulp. I'm the guest host for today's podcast, Kristen Lucas, and I've taken over the show. I have another podcast, Guide for Clueless Rich People, which qualifies me to take over for a somewhat clueless host. Billy wrote that, not me. I, I'm, not, I'm not really that mean. <laughs> <laughs> Before we begin today's legal thrill ride, I'd like to introduce you to my guest. He's a lawyer in Los Angeles, California, a business litigation attorney with a serious improv addiction, and a comedy dropout from the Second City Conservatory program, who's too afraid to try out stand-up or quit a stage job. Please welcome the regular host of this podcast, Billy DeClerc. Oh, thank you very much for having me on my show, Kristen. It's nice to be here. <laughs> what a pleasure. Yeah, it's and, fun to be on the other side of this. I'll tell you that. It's like a lot less pressure. Okay. <laughs> I, I have pressure coming with all my questions. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> when I don't know, I'll just say I don't know. Okay. It might well, be a very short episode. <laughs> there is a lot. I don't know. We'll find out what you know, what you don't know, and what you're willing to lie about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So last week I contacted you, Billy, and I asked uh, whether you, you thought I needed a lawyer. Um, as I've heard that um, entertainment lawyers can be like an agent or manager specifically for like writers. Uh -huh. And then you, you said you'd answer my questions in a free consultation, but as penance, I have to run this podcast session. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Lawyers don't do anything for free. That's the that's the first lesson of this podcast. <laughs> hey, you know, the best things in life aren't free. That's Forget true. What they say. <laughs> and the worst things too, if you're talking about lawyers. But oh man, that's that was sad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you ready? So basically what's next is just rapid fire questioning, hard hitting okay. questions. That's it. It's just like the 60 minutes of podcasts uh, <laughs> specific to lawyers and comedy. Yes. So some of these questions are probably ignorant, but hopefully um, one thing that I have told myself in the new year is that I want to ask stupid questions. Try not to judge myself and just ask things. And you never know what's going to happen. So that's right, right. what I got for you. <laughs> oh, great. No, that's perfect. I think it's, I mean, I'm happy to, to try to answer everything that I can. I just, so you know, I'm, so I do entertainment law, um, oh. but mostly I'm a business attorney. So like when things get really into 
um, entertainment, entertainment, hard hitting. It's a real expertise, a niche. And so some of my partners are real entertainment attorneys and they know kind of like some of them are music attorneys, some are sports attorneys, some are writers attorneys. Um, and so they're real, real fine, fine points of expertise. I'm a generalist. And so um, my, I work with a lot of entertainers. I work with a lot of entertainment attorneys. Um, I don't, you know, negotiate studio contracts or anything like that. I've done a little bit of work in that area enough to say, I don't want to spend every day negotiating contracts uh, okay. over, over rights, but I know enough about the area that I can probably give you some pointers and probably give you some ideas um, about sort of when you might need a lawyer and when you might not. Okay. That, that was kind of the introductory question that I was like, oh, well, I can kind of, you know, I, I'm not going to immediately send you to somebody else, but I can kind of give you some tips and pointers and sort of um, based on my experience. Awesome. Okay. So with what you do, like you basically help businesses, you help businesses, you help uh, like, you know, um, oh, there's a, there's a good quote from Beyonce's husband, Jay-Z. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, you know, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to get some of jay-z's business uh jay-z if you're listening i'm available my number uh, just kidding. um so yeah i mean my um the kind of law that i do is pretty it's pretty general and pretty broad so i mostly it's litigation lawsuits or disputes um and it can be things like real estate property leases um, you know, contract disputes, collections, you know, if someone owes money that they need to file a lawsuit. Like with the pandemic, there's been a lot of um, advising people because the law keeps changing for businesses. And so there's, there's been a lot of kind of just giving people advice. Um, it's a lot of answering questions. It's a lot of conversations like this where people, you know, they may not know something and they need help. I try and guide them. And if I don't know the answer, then I'll research it and find out and say, I think the best thing to do is here. So it's a very kind of interactive process. Some people are real specialists. Like they really focus in on that one thing. Like they know, um, I used to have a neighbor who was an expert on a certain type of environmental insurance contract, like one very specific provision. And they had like these huge charts with every version that was applicable in all 50 states and, and wow. what it meant. And, and, and that's kind of just like a, a level of deep expertise. I'm more of kind of like, if it's like a doctor, I'm like your family doctor, like the guy, you know, the guy you call and be like, well, you know, it looks like a broken leg. Um, but if it gets more, um, you know, more detailed then I would send you to a specialist. Ah, does that make see, sense? Yes, because I recently had a root canal uh -huh. redone. <laughs> <laughs> so I know like specifically dentally, you know, I thought root canal, you go to a dentist, they do your root canal and mm -hmm. there are actually root canal specialists. And then this root canal specialist, let me know what a shoddy job my general dentist did. <laughs> original. Yeah. Well, if you believe it, there are actually lawyers who specialize in dental practices. <laughs> and I, I do have a, I do, I have had clients that are dentists. So I don't specialize in dental law. I do oh, specialize wow. in law and I have helped dentists. So, but if they need like a specialized root canal dentistry, you might put them with a specialized root canal. Exactly. That's a very, very narrow specialty. The, the law of root canals. Exactly. <laughs> it's as narrow as a root in a tooth. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So for you, which came first, the love of comedy or the love of law? Uh, well, 
um, I'm not sure that anyone, I don't know about loving the law. Um, uh, definitely the the love of comedy has been that's been a lifelong thing for me if you'll indulge me I will grow I grew up I was a theater major in college I loved uh, theater and performance musical theater comedy so I've kind of been a very I was a very hammy kid even in like you know in middle school and elementary school Um, smart you know good good student and all that but but just kind of crazy amounts of energy um, like I think my very first uh, real big breakthrough role was I was playing one of the three kings in the annual Christmas uh, pageant. So that was kind of like my that's kind of my breakout role where I really found my voice as a performer. So I went to college, majored in theater and philosophy. And so I sort of have these two halves to my personality. One is this kind of like, you know, silly kind of big uh, personality. I really like interacting with people. And then I have this other really analytical, intense, thoughtful side. And so the law has been a good way to marry those two sides of myself and be able to kind of help people and give them advice. But also I really enjoy the interaction. Sometimes there's a lot of like, you know, really intense pressure and a lot of conflict in what I do. And that's really stressful. So a couple of years ago, my spouse, she, um, did an improv class at UCB with a friend of hers. And she, persuaded me to take it up again. I hadn't done anything really since before I even met her. Um, I had kind of given it up and did different things. Um, she was the one that encouraged me to go to law school. And uh, oh, wow. she's like, I, I was a, a high school teacher at the time. And I was kind of like down on that. <laughs> um, and so she encouraged me. I was like, oh, only smart people, you know, go to law school. And she's like, I think you might be okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you're, you're smart enough. She's Just- like, She's like, I know some pretty dumb lawyers. Maybe you'd be one of them. <laughs> but anyway, so she encouraged me to do that. And then I really enjoyed it. I did a, a workshop with Sam Christensen, Sam Christian Studios, the um, image workshop. And that like helped me kind of redefine that I really wanted to, I don't know, get serious about comedy, if that sounds funny. But yeah. I've, but I've been, I, so I got into the Second City program. And what I thought is like, I have these two things that are kind of, they're different, but they're part of me and I want to integrate them. And so we did like a live show called it Law and Disorder. And it was all like stuff that was around the law because there's a lot that's funny about the law. Yeah. And so, um, you know, since everybody has a podcast, um, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, well, I guess mine could be about law and comedy. And so that's how I got here. Awesome. Um, so the law thing is, is I really... I think what most lawyers would tell you is I love being a lawyer, but I'm not so crazy about the practice of law. Really? What I mean by that when I say that is that I really appreciate being able to understand what's going on in society and sort of at a deeper level. If you're reading the news, there's been so much about the Constitution over the last couple of years. And there's been so much, there's just a lot of, um, you know, with voting rights and all these kind of things, just understanding kind of what the law is behind it and being able to under to to analyze it, that's really something that I enjoy and means a lot to me. And as I kind of mentioned, the, the practice of law, you deal with a lot of conflict. You deal with a lot of personalities who are, you know, people who are just, they think that the way to get ahead in life is to be really aggressive, unnecessarily aggressive. So the comedy for me is just a, a release. It's a really a way to express myself. And, you know, if I could successfully do marry the two and pay all the bills, that's probably what I would do. You know, right now I'm kind of 
going back and forth between the two of them. Your, your ideal world would be what you created at the second city, basically. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would probably do like podcast episodes like this. I'm working on a script right now based on one of the sketches we did and that we did the zoom show. So one of the sketches that I wrote for that, I'm trying to turn it into a musical. So I'm I'm working on writing that. So just, I'm trying to have fun and be creative and so that's, that's that. Yeah. That's all. We, that's all one can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. <laughs> Just make the most out of it. Is sure. your wife a comedian, a performer, or was that totally random that she went to UCB? No, she's a neuroscientist. And I will just oh show gosh. you that the listeners at home won't be able to see this, but this is her book. Oh, um, my Lord. she has a book. Number one, Inside. it's coming out. Yeah. It's coming out in three weeks. It's called insight into a bright mind and um, listeners to laying down the law, both of you. Um, I want you to go to insightbook.store. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-B-O-O-K dot S-T-O-R-E and uh, buy yourself a copy. It's a great book. It's about um, intelligence. It's about different kinds of like, like it talks about ADHD and autism. I've been spending a lot of um, like emotion, um, sensory uh, sensitivities, neurodiversity. And um, she's come up with this term she calls neuroindividuality. And really about how each of us has a brain that's like a fingerprint. Each of our brains is, is a unique thing. It's, it's, a, it's a unique organ. And so each of us from our brains on down are, are unique individuals. So it's coming out the end of this month. And, um, and it's really excited about that. So she, she is a neuroscientist. And the reason she got into improv was for the fun of it. But she's also a performer. She is recording web series and things like that. So she's doing kind oh, of nice. a lot to promote her book. But um, oh. so and she's funny as hell. I mean, she's super funny. And my son is super funny, but they're not so much like into the performance aspect of it right oh. now. Um, you know, our son's a teenager, so he'll, he's going to be who he's going to be, but (laughs) that, um, yeah, yeah, that, that changes, you know, Mm -hmm. day by day with, with, with growing up for sure. Cool thinking about the brain as as the thumbprint. Cause I'm thinking about like the way that people perceive communication, like, Mm -hmm studying through like the same seminar and talking through with like, if you go with different friends and like, oh yeah, this person said this. And they're like, no, they didn't. And you're like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, like we all sat and watched the same thing. Same with movies. Everyone comes with their own like piece of. Yeah. Yeah. So thumbprint brain. Yeah. So, um, so insight into a bright mind uh, coming everywhere soon. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. So, so what questions did you want me to try to answer about your sort of your career? So yeah, the main thing was basically just kind of breaking down what entertainment lawyers do. So one question is, if someone has an original TV show, like a format, kind of like you're talking about what you did at Second City, like you had like a breaking down the law, something that's like maybe a a new spin on late night television, could they copyright the idea? And if they can, would an entertainment attorney be the person to help do that? Okay, so there are multiple parts, subparts, and ideas in what you asked. So I'm going to try and break it down for you a little bit. First of all, I think the thing that I would say to anyone is if you're not sure that you need a lawyer, you, you, you may not. Okay. If you're ever presented with a contract and it says anywhere in there, consult your attorney, consult your attorney. That, that you, you do need an attorney for any kind of contract, any kind of big negotiation. You're going to want someone to be your advocate and, and educate you 
advise you, give you kind of an understanding of what you're agreeing to. So in that sense, you do need an attorney. And when you get into things like studio contracts, you really do want someone who's an expert in that subject matter. And, and they're very, very expensive. So that's- Is that you? That's, do you do that? So I would be the type of person that if you came to me and you said, hey, I've got this script pilot, it's getting picked up by, by you know NBC and you know I, I'm trying to put the deal together, then I would say, I want you to talk to my partner because my, my okay. partner has this expert expertise in this area. I could tell you really generally, I could read the contract, I could give you ideas. I'd probably consult with you and kind of get an understanding. But then I would say, you know, you should really talk to so-and-so they're an expert. Like the same thing if you were doing, you know, your will and trust. I would mm -hmm. say like, I can talk to you generally about it. I've done a little bit of will and trust, but I don't do it because I know I have a friend who's an expert and she's, she's outstanding. She'll do a great job. So same kind of thing that's with that kind of expertise. The, the other part of what you're asking uh, had to do with copyright. Let me just jump into the copyright a little bit. Okay. So the law of copyright is that an idea is copyrighted once it is fixed in a tangible form. Okay. So once this podcast is recorded right now, it's copyrighted. It's been copyrighted by operation of law because it exists in a tangible form. Is that across America or is that that's state by state? That's true. That's, that's the law of the United States of America. That's in the U.S. Constitution, actually. Yeah. Um, and so copyright exists whether or not you do anything with it. So, and it includes like something you wrote on your computer. It's a treatise. It's copyrighted. Okay. Cool. And, and because the copyright attaches to the idea when it's written and expressed. Yeah, it's sort okay. of the general overall idea. Okay. So the law of copyright has evolved. And, and by the way, copyright was one of my lower grades in law school. I got, a B. <laughs> I got, you know, I got a little lost in there, but, but I got the big, I got the big picture. Okay. For a long time there was, and there still is copyright registration. And so you can send something to the United States copyright office and you can get a registered copyright. That means that it's proof that you were the first to create that thing. So my wife's book is copyrighted. It's gonna be in the Library of Congress. It's got an ISBN, like it's gonna be protected, okay? Um, she had to sign a contract with her publisher. She consulted an attorney at my firm when she signed her publishing contract. But the copyright, had she never sent it to anybody, it would still attach. So if you've got an idea for a late night TV show <laughs> and you've written it down and it's in your computer, it's already copyrighted. Sweet. You don't need to do anything. It's copyrighted. Now, here's the, the issue that comes into litigation and that, that, that people fight about is monetizing and proving that something wasn't just an idea that two people thought of at the same time. You know, mm. you have an idea for a new late show and you mention it at a party and someone else a year later has that show and it's on NBC and you're like, wait, I had that idea. I told you about it. Yeah. Um, and so that's where it gets really tricky because it's hard to prove that it was your idea first right. and that they took it from you. And so that's when people get into non-disclosure agreements and they can be very, um, very uh, protective of their ideas and, and very um, controlling because, you know, ideas are free and, and nobody can own an idea. Right. If you write a treatise for your late night show and you write an outline and you're like, Beat one is going to be like this and beat two is going to be like this and beat three is going to be like this. And we're going to have this kind of a thing. The more detail it is, the more likely you would be able to prove later. This was my idea. Mm -hmm. If you could prove that you pitched that idea, you know, to some 
company and you know you sat down they took a meeting with you you gave them your treatise you signed a non-disclosure agreement two years later it's on abc and you go oh wait a minute that that, that was my idea I pitched it to that executive. They're the executive producer. They stole it from me. You're going to hire a lawyer. Then you would probably hire me. And then we'd go and sue them and we'd get you a lot of money. (laughs) Okay. But so there's different like layers of protection that you're thinking about. The copyright is, is just, it's just there. Registering it gives it a proof that it's, that it was yours in the first place. Then the other layer I talked about, you didn't ask about is non-disclosure agreement, which is a contract where you say, I'm going to share with you some confidential information. You're going to promise not to tell anybody that I shared it with you. And then if you do, I'm going to have this, that, and the other. And that's an agreement. If you're at a party and you're like, yeah, you know, you have a few too many and you're telling somebody your idea and you're spouting off about it, there's nothing to stop them from going and making the same idea. Cause it's just an idea. Yeah. It's in the air. It's not fixed in a tangible means of expression. And, and, and if they take it, they took it. So, so record everything. Don't go to parties. <laughs> go have a podcast instead. Do not drink. Don't have fun. <laughs> don't Just say no any good ideas. <laughs> don't have, have good ideas. Don't have good ideas. Don't even have them. Just forget about it. <laughs> I don't have any. So, uh, I can imagine like when you're first out of law school, do you want to have non-disclosure agreements in your pocket to, you know, like you be careful who you're talking to. You're always like distrusting everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely law school takes people who are already pretty risk averse and makes them even more risk averse because <laughs> you find out every bad thing that could possibly happen. Oh, it also yeah. makes you a little bit, uh, it also makes you a little bit to real realize how much the law doesn't really get applied and how much people can, can actually get away with things. Because if you breach a contract or you violate somebody's right and they don't sue you, then nothing happens. happens. So until you file a lawsuit, that's when you'd hire me. But until you file a lawsuit, there's no, you don't really have a mechanism to enforce your rights. Footnote, when I say file a lawsuit, I mean, there's also arbitration, mediation, there are other forms of dispute resolution. So if you were to sign an agreement, there's probably going to be an arbitration clause, which means you wouldn't go to court. You'd have like a contractual, you'd hire a private judge to work things out. So there's all kinds of other layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. Does that make sense? Yes. Tons of layers layer on like it's winter outside of California. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in California, you know, it gets down below 65 degrees and no, you know, we're putting on the coats. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is people should sue any chance that they get because it just makes everyone obey the law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly what I said, but, but yeah, if you have a good claim, you should, you should bring it. But if you don't, you know, maybe not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. So we got we got some good takeaways from question one. It's basically don't share your information, sue everyone. Okay. Yep. That's a good way. Of, that's a good way of summing it up. Uh-huh. All right. Do entertainment attorneys help writers sell their screenplays? You know, I have a little bit of experience with this, but not a lot. What I know is from the experts at my firm. An entertainment attorney is going to know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I think help sell the script. I think the question is, there's a lot of relationships that are there anyway. So if you're in the wow. industry, they could be a lawyer, they could be an agent, they could be a manager, they could be a producer. But if your script is the right script for somebody and it's, you know, it's for Brad Pitt and he's the perfect person and your lawyer happens to know Brad Pitt's lawyer, then you might be able to get it to him that way. So I think it's more along those lines. 
in terms of actually selling, I, I don't know how to sell a script. I don't have any idea how to do that. But I do know that lawyers are advocates for their clients. They want their clients to work. A lot of times the compensation is related to their client getting work. Then they work on the contract with the studio and things like that and kind of okay. work through it. So, so a lawyer can make introductions if you've got one. That's another person. It's another avenue in addition to other avenues, I would say. All right. Well, that answers actually the even the next question, which is basically like, do they help with talent relationships in the industry. And that's what you just said. Yeah, they can, but don't expect it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a lot of, you know, I think a lot of agents are also attorneys. There's a natural overlap there. Cause if you're negotiating a contract, you need some legal skills and, and, you know, big agencies have a lot of lawyers on staff okay. because you're, you're working through these, you know, they're big fat contracts mm -hmm. um, to figure out how all that money's going to get split up. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. All these things that you don't know when you're on the outside of the industry trying to get in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, not, yeah, exactly. Not that I know, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. If you have a pitch meeting and a producer says, great, let's make this TV show or let's make this movie. Where should the entertainment attorney come in in that process? I mean, I would say the sooner the better in that situation. I don't even know if you would, like we were talking about, you know, the idea of someone stealing your pitch, mm -hmm. you know, you may even want to consult. And if you're going to be in a pitch meeting, you might want to call an entertainment attorney and say, do I need a non-disclosure agreement to sit down and take this pitch, take this meeting? Because, you know, like I said, I don't really know how those things work. My guess is a producer might kind of think it's weird if you want them to sign something just to take a meeting. Yeah. Right. So I think there's kind of a, it's a, it's always a delicate dance getting someone to sign a contract because you, you know, when you ask, this is just practical experience that I have. It's in true in all things. You want yeah. someone to sign a contract because you want to define what your rights are. You, you know, you made the point about two people can see the same lecture and hear different things. Yeah. The exact same thing can be true about an oral agreement, a handshake agreement. You may ha not have an understanding of one another. So written contracts are helpful because everyone sits down and clarifies, what do I exactly mean by that? It helps avoid misunderstandings. And so there's a real value to getting things in writing by the same token. Some people don't want to get things in writing. Some people want to, you know, they don't want to be tied down to something. They want to be able to remember it they, the way they want to remember it. So there's a real um, delicate dance there about when you're going to sign, when you're going to sign a contract, when is this just, we're just two people talking. And when is this, we're actually maybe going to move forward with something. So it's good to have, you know, if you're starting to feel like maybe I need to consult a lawyer, it never hurts to make a phone call. Yeah. You know, most lawyers are going to say, yeah, you definitely need me and my retainers $10,000, but <laughs> it still doesn't cost you anything to make a phone call. But, you know, if you're going in for a meeting and you're like, boy, like, boy, they seem really interested. You know, if you're starting to negotiate terms and they're starting to talk about money, they're starting to talk about your rights, then you're going to want someone who knows how that works, whether it's an agent, manager, lawyer to help make sure that you're protected. You know, there's lots of stories about talented people who have been taken advantage of by unscrupulous business people in the industry. So it just, it happens because you're excited, you're creative, you want, you want to get the, whatever it is you're doing out there in the world. And at the same time, you know, so you're, you're trying to follow this creative path. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that just want to make money off of your talent. So, so it's just a real balance, but I think in general, you got to trust your gut. If you feel like I feel like I'm in over my head, 
I feel like I need help. That's kind of true in everything. But when you're, when you're starting to feel like I'm not understanding what all these terms are, get help. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed that you don't know the answer. That's like great point that you said earlier. Like I'm going to ask questions when I feel stupid because I don't want to be actually stupid. I want to, I want to, I'll find out. I don't know. Yeah. I need to know. And you're talking about points and you're talking about distribution deals. And I have no idea what any of this means. So I better get help from someone who can help who be on my, be on my side. The thing that is really important about lawyers is this. We um, swear an oath and we have a duty and we're regulated by the state bar of California. And our job is to be our client's advocate. So not every lawyer is honest. Not every lawyer is ethical. Not every lawyer does take their client's interests to heart, but we're supposed to treat our clients better than ourselves in a way. We're supposed to put our client's interests first. And so when you're hiring a lawyer, you are saying you're on my side. I'm, I'm the king or queen. I'm royalty and you're my general. You go out and fight for me. Okay. And so that person's going to give you the, it's going to be your protector. They're there to, to make sure that you're taken care of. And when you're getting into a deal you, and you're swimming with the sharks, you want someone to protect you, yeah. um, you know, and that's true. I mean, the biggest people um, out there, they, they get lawyers to make sure they're protected. Yeah, that makes sense. And if the lawyer screws up, they have malpractice insurance. So then you can sue them. <laughs> sue and sue some more. <laughs> That's right. Keep those, keep those business litigation attorneys working. For God's <laughs> yeah. sake, people. Those poor attorneys, they need the work. Nothing to do. <laughs> you kind of went over this about contracts. Should an entertainment attorney look over a contract before you sign with an agent or manager? Like sometimes as an actor, you just want to like be working yeah. with whoever, whenever. In your professional opinion, yeah. what do you think about those contracts that usually come out? Okay. You know, real life, this really happens. I would say- First, read it. Okay. Just, just yeah. take, don't let anybody pressure you into signing something until you have had a chance to think it over. Okay. That's just being kind of like a good self-advocate. Think of like, if your best friend was going to have to sign something, what, what advice would you give your best friend and, and try to really value yourself in that and step away. Don't let people pressure you into signing something. Say, let me take it. Let me take a day and read it over. You can even say, I'm going to consult my attorney. Even if you don't have one, you can always say it. They don't know <laughs> to say, you know what? I just want to run this by my attorney real quick. Get at, don't sign anything without reading it. That's yeah. just basic one-on-one. You know, we're, we're on the computer all day and it's like all day long, we're agreeing to things and we don't even know what we're agreeing to. It's like, it's like, do you agree to let us track you yes. everywhere you go? Okay. I just want to see this um, news story, you know, whatever. Yes. So, so that's the number one, make sure that you give yourself the space and time to read a contract, especially something that's important, like an agent or manager relationship. These people want to take your money. Mm -hmm. They're not calling, they're not kind of calling you in there to be your friend. They're calling right. you in there because they want to take 20% of your money. Right. Okay. So these are not friends. <laughs> okay. The second thing. So then give yourself the space, breathe read through it, read it to the best of your ability as a, a, you know, an adult who's educated, who, you know, wants to understand just kind of like with a curious mind and just take the time to read through it, see what you can absorb and what you can't mark the things you don't understand. Okay. But take responsibility for understanding what you're signing. And then if you've read it and you feel pretty comfortable that you know what everything is and you know what everything means and you are okay with everything, 
you can sign it. It's okay. You don't have to necessarily get an attorney's blessing to sign everything. People mm-hmm. do it every day. However, if you read it and there are things you don't understand, things that make you feel uncomfortable, things that make you that you're confused, things you're not sure about, that's a good time to get in touch with an attorney, say, I've got a contract. I don't understand everything in it. Can I pay you for an hour of your time to explain it to me? Mm. Just, I, I just need a consultation. And if, if you say, I'll pay you for an hour of your time, they'll do a lot better job. <laughs> you know, the, the, those student loans don't pay themselves, people. <laughs> but, but, it, but, you know, t- t- have someone sit and go, okay, paragraph 10, it says indemnity. What does that mean? Paragraph 27 says termination rights. What does that mean? This says arbitration. What does that mean? And if there's something that in the contract that you don't like, you can always walk away from it. That's the time you have the most power is before you sign the contract. You can say, I don't like this term. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah. Sometimes they'll say, oh no, we're not going to work with you if you don't. That's our contract. It is what it is. And maybe that tells you that's not the right person either. Yeah. Understanding that this is a two-way relationship. They don't have all the power and they just dictate that you sign it. Just recognize you have power, you have agency. This is your talent and they're, they want to take your money. They want, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice that they want to promote you and send you out and they want to open, help open doors for you, but they're not doing it because they like you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're not doing it because they're your friend. They're yeah. doing it because they think it's going to make them rich. <laughs> so So just be clear about that. Like this is a business relationship and everybody's friendly and everybody's friends, but they, until there's a fight about money and then nobody's friends. Yes. (laughs) If you're comfortable and if you need to run something by an attorney, you're good. Once you understand, you feel comfortable, sign it and go. Yeah. And if you get to a point where there's something that you're like, they're saying something and doesn't seem right with the contract, use your education and your knowledge and read it and go, so a lot of my clients are very proactive. They're very educated. They've dealt with a lot of stuff. And so yeah. they don't necessarily need me to tell them everything. They were like, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. You don't need to explain that. Okay. Um, other clients that I have are, they've never had a lawsuit before. They've never had anything happen before. And like, I don't understand what this means. Can you explain it? Sure. Absolutely. I'll explain it. I understand you can stop talking now. I, I don't want to pay you for any more of your time. Okay, I'll stop. But it's just the, the, it's someone that you're you're basically you're hiring to do work for you, and you know you if they're painting your office, you know, and you're like, okay, that's enough. I'm done. I'm gonna paint it myself. Yeah. You know that that's okay too. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's great because it's definite. It's common sense, but specifically for somebody who, as you know, you love entertainment, you know, the love of it and you, you get that opportunity, you get that contract, all the common sense goes right out the window. And all you want to do is make this person happy and sign the contract and mm-hmm. just like get it back. Or, 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 or maybe you do think, Oh, I'm going to get an attorney because so it's like just that common sense of just read it. Like you're saying, and usually it's probably very basic information, but like maybe if it's a clause that you have to set on their laptop list, you know, on Fridays. Yeah, that would be a problem. You might not want to. You might want to. You might not. (laughs) So if you have a script, could an entertainment attorney help with music rights or any other sort of legality within the script? Is that within that field? Yeah. I mean, there are um, legal aspects to all kinds of issues in filming and production and writing, specifically in a script. Script. I'm assuming that you're talking about producing it. Yes. I mean, I would just say if you're 
self-producing, then you're probably going to either get someone that you know and pay them to write music, which which is what I do sometimes, yeah. or you're going to get like something royalty-free because those DMCA takedowns don't uh, don't help. The area of music law is a thread within entertainment law. Wow. So some of my partners have represented like big time name musicians. That's like, they're, they're based in Atlanta. They, they represent all these rappers and all these, you know, kind of big people. And those, those contracts are very, very specific music rights. Um, so, so to the extent you're, if you're producing a film, you know, in a big budget film, there's going to be specific negotiations over the use of music in a film. Yeah. Um, and what can be used and what's going to be paid for it and how much. If you are doing something on your own, like independent, I mean, my advice would be as someone who's like done a little bit of indie stuff and would be either hire somebody that you know, whose music you like, or, or just go pay for something that you, that you find. I'm going to go in like a big tangent and come back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just warning you. Um, Strap it in for the ride. Okay, the big tangent. In copyright law, you own a piece of work once it's fixed in a tangible means of expression, right? Music actually has two sub rights within it. One is performance rights and one is publication rights. The publication rights is the sheet music, so covers. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm -hmm. actually something Prince always had a big problem with is that he never made much money from the covers of his own songs. It's the performance rights where they're more lucrative. There is a Stanford law professor named Lawrence Lessig who came up with the idea of unbundling or coming up with something between full copyright control and fair use. You have fair use is when um, you do something that's a work of parody. So Weird Al Yankovic, for example, he actually gets the rights from the people that he's parodying and he doesn't perform anybody's music unless he gets their permission. Oh, wow. There's an argument that he doesn't have to because he's doing work of parody and that is parody p-a-r-o-d-y is is covered under fair use academic use for my spouse's book that is fair use you can use copyrighted materials when it's fair use when i write a legal brief and i copy from a court opinion that's actually the copyright is owned by the u.s government but i'm using it for a legal argument it's for academic legal purposes so it is fair use it's not there's no copyright claim there Okay. And full copyright is I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to take down whatever you're doing. You have no right to use this at all. So Lawrence Lessig came up with this idea that you could create a license that people could use and you could communicate and attach it to your work so that other people could, could use your work in a way that, that they like and that you're okay with. So there are, it's called creative commons mm-hmm. and there are different levels of creative commons licenses. And so you can create work, you can attach a Creative Commons license to it, or you can use work that has a Creative Commons license attached to it. The Creative Commons licenses have like basically four levels of licenses. Can you believe I got a B in copyright and I know all this shit? Okay, so there are like basically four levels of licenses and there are increasing levels of control, okay? Okay. And so, so, so you can have a license that's attribution only. So for my theme music, I use attribution only license music, which means that I'm free to use it so long as I give attribution to the creator of the music. Our theme music is created by Jingle Punks. Um, so that's, I give attribution to the music and the creator of the music has said, using creative commons, that's okay. What 
the Creative Commons did is they wrote standard license agreements because when you own a copyright, they call a right, it's like a bundle of rights. So you can sell part of it. You can sell just the performance right. You can sell just the, you know, you can sell different parts of the rights. There's a lot of different rights that are all kind of tied up together. It's not just like one thing. Like if you're going to buy the right to play somewhere over the rainbow as the theme music for your podcast, you're going to pay for that specific use, that specific purpose. You're not going to own somewhere over the rainbow. You're going to own the right to play it. It's just a small, narrow piece. And so some people say, you know, I just want my music to get out there. I just want people to know that I wrote this. So you can use my music for free as, and you could say, you can use it for free as long as you're not making money off of it. So if you're not charging for it and you're giving me credit. So there's these different levels of the creative commons licenses. So back to your original question, coming back around the loop. Okay. So if you're doing a, if you're doing a, a creative project and you want to put music in it, I would recommend taking the time and researching the, the, the licensing and the rights behind music that you might want to use. There is lots and it's, it's amazing what you can do now. There's lots and lots and lots of royalty free music. Yeah. There's lots and lots and lots of music that people are offering because they want to, they just want to create and they just want to get it out there. And so it's, it's pretty easy to get something that you don't have to pay for. It's also easy to get things on the internet that you like, and you can pay a small fee and you can use like stock footage, for example. Yeah. Sometimes people can make a movie look like it's a lot bigger than it is by using stock video footage and you pay for the right to put it in your movie. And it's an overhead aerial shot of Los Angeles and you pay whatever it costs. You don't have to go out and shoot it. You're using stock footage. So there's all this, it's just kind of amazing. The internet's opened up things for creators so much because you can do things that only studios could have done before. So in that sense, to answer your question, you might need an entertainment attorney. If you're going to use something that's highly protected, like somewhere over the rainbow or something that Prince wrote, or, you know, my firm represented famous musicians, nonprofit in a fight with other members of the family. I don't want to say the name, but a very famous musician who passed away and there was a dispute and we, we were involved and we were able to, to get some of the rights to some of the artists music kind of out of other family members hands down the line. So if you're using something complex, well-known, very popular, expensive, you're going to need an attorney, but you're also going to have a budget. If you are at that level of production, you're going to have a budget and there's going to be a budget for music. Yeah. This is going to be part of it. If you're doing something on your own and you're, you know, I would say give some attention to, to the music and while you're choosing the music, give some attention to what, whether you want to pay for it, whether you want to use something that's royalty free, whether you want to pay a licensing right to use it, a common creative commons right to use it, but just don't infringe. If you don't infringe, you're going to be in good shape. I won't go on a tangent about the DMCA and uh, how extreme it is, but the DMCA is huge overreach by the music publishing industry. What is um, this? What is DMCA? Oh, DMCA is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Okay. And so if you put a, if you put a video up on YouTube and you use... Um, karaoke tracks. Karaoke tracks are, are going to be okay um, in a lot of situations. But if you use the Star Wars theme, mm-hmm. like I shot a video of my son skiing and this was like 14 years ago, 15 years ago. And I put the Star Wars theme to him skiing down. And I got a DMCA takedown notice from YouTube. Oh, they told you to take it down? Yeah, because it was an infringement. And so I had to challenge that. So they, the, what they did is they changed it so that you don't, under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, they don't have to file a lawsuit anymore. They do a takedown notice to YouTube. YouTube tell, takes it down and says, 
okay, uh, now prove that you didn't infringe. Okay. So and I wrote back a thing you? and I said, it's fair use. And they, they didn't put it back up, but it was, oh. so it was like a private link and whatever. So there's like, I don't even really understand how it all works, but that's basically the idea. There was the whole thing with Napster and all these yeah. people streaming and downloading music for free. And the music industry was just losing everything. And so they went to right. Congress and they got this enacted and put watermarking and DRM, digital rights management in music and yes. all this stuff. So they could keep control of their, of their product. See on YouTube for me, I've had things that just say like, you're not going to make money on this. And it was a karaoke yeah. track at one, at one point. It was just like, you're, cause I thought, oh, it's, it's a parody and it's, it's definitely, use. Not. Uh, that's what I thought. And anyway, I got to notice that like, well, I never, I never get enough views and it's any big deal. So it's like, I don't care. But I, I thought that was, I've never actually had anything that was like, you must take this down immediately. Right. So there's, yeah. So there's, um, like I said, I don't know exactly how this, this all works. Yeah. Um, but the, the way the law is applied on the internet, it's very hard for creators to use things that are known that, that okay. have, that have rights to it. Um, because sense. there's all, there's all this law and technology trying to keep control of, of this work. So I, I would just say, unless you absolutely have to use this one piece of music, don't. Yeah. And if you absolutely have to use this one piece of music, I mean, my, what I've done is I've hired musicians from, from the second city. And I said, can you do a pastiche of this? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, do a, do something that's close, but not the same. Right. And then I'm, I'm paying an artist that, right. you know, to, to create work. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't, like sign a contract with them. Cause that's just sort of, sort of annoying. Like I'm not going to yeah. make any money anyway. Um, but basically I'm saying this is a work for hire and I'm paying you for it. And you're saying I can use it. And we're, we're cool with each other. It's not like yeah. I'm going to make a million dollars off of it. If I did, <laughs> I might regret not having signed a contract, but if I made a million dollars, I'd be happy to pay uh, you know, someone that wrote, you know, wrote the music. Right. So that's the main thing with these things getting like taken down. And, you know, it's like, I'm not, it's most of the time you just want your stuff out there to be seen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not making money off of this person's, you know, guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I just want my jokes out there. I know. <laughs> no, I actually have a thing where I, I like to pay everyone who comes on my podcast in just a little bit of money, just not because I'm trying to take their creativity from them, but I just sort of want to say thank you and let them know that even if I don't make any money, I, at least I'm telling them their work has value, you know, oh, and, nice. and, um, cause I think artists need to know that. And so that's just my, philosophy. I know. Well, you know, especially cause you, you do, you're an attorney, but you've also were, you know, full-time theater major, you've done the whole bit. And it's definitely, even as much training as you had creating your own show, there's certainly like a lot of work that you're not making dollar money. Your payment no. is that you love it or that you, you know, hopefully you're growing an audience, you're growing your skills. There's different things. There's different reasons for people to do it, but it is, it's so common for artists to just like you know, like you're talking about employing uh, musicians, I'm sure, you know, these people are, are doing it for cheaper or free at, at some of these theaters. And so to have a, another, you know, comedian be like, hey, let's work together and I'm, and money, 
Like to, yeah. to me, like being asked to work together is great. Then being asked to work together for money. Woohoo. That's even better. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, is like, I mean, if it's 20, 25 bucks, like that's not a lot of money, but it makes a big difference than like no money. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's just, it's just knowing like, okay, even if I, I'll, I'll say like, I can't pay you what I know you're truly worth. Right. But I want you to know that it's worth something. Yeah. And, and it, and it, and, and, you know, it would be a lot more. So I just think that we have to get out of this idea. Um, so this is going to be me getting up on a soapbox. Um, <laughs> but we, I think we really have to get out of this idea that creators should give away their yeah. talent for free. Yeah. Just because they love to create. Right. Um, just because it gives you joy. Um, you know, I don't think that creators should, should buy into that. Yeah. And, and if you're creating something for yourself, like your podcast or your art and your painting and it's, or, or, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're writing music because you love it and it's your passion and you're just doing it for you. Great. If right. you're doing it for somebody else so they can make money, I think we have to really challenge the idea that you would do it for free. Sometimes you do stuff for the experience. I've done student films. Everybody's done things like that. Cause you want to get the experience. And in that way, you're being paid because you're not having to take a class, a film acting yeah. class. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're feeling like this doesn't feel right, then, you know, I'd encourage anybody who's creative to walk away from something that they don't feel appreciated. Yeah. Even if there's no contract. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, they can't, they can't make you perform. No contract, they can't make you perform. <laughs> Uh, that's good advice. And, and, and it is good for all the entertainers out there that listen in. It's like, you're worthy. You are worthy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny. I, um, just a random thought. Like, um, I think the reason that so many Christmas albums get made is because people get into seven, seven record deals with the, it's like, well, how can we, let's see, we did our first uh, record, our second record, yeah. let's do a Christmas record, then we'll yeah. do a live album, then we'll do a greatest hits. Uh, three, <laughs> we, need, we need three more records. <laughs> I'm out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy thing, like, you know, especially for musicians, right? It's like, yeah, you yeah. might, you, you don't know what's, if you're a one hit wonder. And, yeah, you're, <laughs> and you're contracting for music you haven't yet imagined or written yet. Yeah. It's like a lot I, of pressure. <laughs> absolutely oh. um you kind of actually went over this question but uh, um the original question is basically when in a career should you look for an entertainment attorney and basically the thought on this is it you kind of said you know trust your gut if you need to but you also mentioned a retainer fee and you mentioned kind of attorneys working at these bigger agencies. So since you have um, entertainment attorneys in your firm, yeah, like people that like are their clients, would that be like somebody who has a career that's established that's on a, a network show or like what sort of clients are coming in to them? Is it all of the spectrum or is it usually larger? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really really broad spectrum. And so I think it's a benefit to anyone to have, to know an attorney, just like it's a benefit to like know someone who's a doctor, like, right. like, it's like, then you can like ask the silly question and be like, Hey, do you like my family, you know, even when I was in law school, they call me and be like, one of my family members was like, I signed this gym contract. Oh my God. 
I don't want to go anymore. And I signed this gym card. Can I get out of it? And I would like, kind of, we talk about it. And, and I think it's helpful to, when you, you know, to have somebody to bounce stuff off of. Yeah. Cause a lot of times, you know, people will call me and I'll say, you know what? You don't actually need an attorney for this. That's and here's why. <laughs> and, and it's good to know, like, you know, so sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't sometimes, and there's personal preferences. Like some people want to be taken care of and they want, don't want to have to deal with it. And so they'll hire an attorney to do work. They just don't kind of want to do themselves that they could probably do. So that's part of it. The other part of the answer is, is about the money and about the kind of the levels. And just like any other business, any other field, there are people kind of at different places, all different places. So there are, they're called in-house or corporate type of attorneys that work just for one client. So I have a, a former coworker who's a in-house attorney at Netflix Um, and he, you know, he was working, he worked at a law firm. He worked at another, a a healthcare company, and now he's at Netflix and he's working on their um, contracts. I have another friend I went to law school with who is in-house at Amazon and he's doing their procure. I don't know what he's doing exactly. There's attorneys that are at that level that work for companies and do all their legal stuff in-house. And then you have outside attorneys that work at law firms. That's like me. The law firm is the business. The clients are usually other businesses or individuals who, who want that level of service. It's a contract relationship. Like you would hire somebody to build a house or to, mm-hmm. you know, clean the toilets or whatever else, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a service. Yeah. There are individual sole practitioners. Once you get your law license, you can take on any client that wants to hire you. In my own career, I worked at a huge law firm. I worked at um, some mid-sized law firms. I was on my own for a few years and now I'm at a, a law firm again and the model that I'm currently in has been the best for me because I kind of run my own practice. I have my own clients, but then I um, share clients with other attorneys and they share clients with me. Oh, good. I work out of a home office. Nice. Most of them are in Atlanta and I'm kind of independent, but I have their backup to do things. Sweet. So it's, it's a comfortable thing. So I can represent a broader range of clientele and they don't pressure me to bill a lot of hours. They don't pressure me to, you know, say, you know, you got to be making as much as you can from the Johnson file and, you know, making sure you're billing <laughs> Mr. Johnson. It's like, we try to, my firm has a philosophy that we try to really match the solution to the client. we try to really, you know, that's a long winded way of answering your question, <laughs> but you might, it, you want to have the right attorney, the right fit for you. Yeah. Someone that you could call and you could feel comfortable with and say, Hey, I got this contract. You know, I obviously, I don't want to pay a huge retainer, but can you walk me through it? And there are a lot, a lot, a lot of attorneys who will take the time, who'll be happy to have you as a client, will be happy to work with you because it's the same way both ways. Like, you know, you might be a startup now, but you could be huge later and your attorney is going to be someone that you trust and someone that goes with you all the way. So when you're an attorney, you want to work with people who are starting up businesses, people who are starting new things, people who are creative, because those make good clients as they're successful, as they feel your support, help them be successful. Then they um, come back to you and they bring you more work and you grow together. And so that's been my philosophy of growing business all along is that I want to work with people who I like and who like me, who appreciate me and I appreciate them. And they, they're doing their thing. They're being as creative as they can. And I'm helping them navigate the part that they need help with, that they service uh, the services that they need. Um, and some that's worked really well with some clients where they've been successful and grown. Um, and I really enjoy seeing that. I enjoy being a part of that. So um, 
do I, I don't know if you're asking me like, can you recommend somebody? <laughs> I don't know, like right offhand who that would be, but, um, if someone, you know, if you were to ask me like offline and we are like, can you find me someone to talk to? I would help you find someone to talk to, um, because we know each other and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and, and I'd be happy to, because I, it's sort of just about sending good stuff around. And, and some attorneys will, you walk in there, say, they'll say like, I'm going to need a $5,000 retainer. And that's how they go. And that yeah. they can either afford to charge that, or they want to charge that, or that's the, the kind of client they want to insist on having people that are established. And yeah, that might not be a fit it, for you. Choosing a lawyer is very much in some ways like choosing a spouse, although it's kind of a weird analogy, but it's, <laughs> but it's that you want someone who really fits you, fits your philosophy, yeah. fits your psychology, fits your personality, yeah. because you are supposed to have a trusting relationship. And that person's going to have to tell you sometimes, Hey, you're making a mistake. Yeah. Or, or, Hey, you really need to, to be careful of X or, you know, you, there needs to be a really good and you need to be honest and you need to say, Hey, I'm, I think I messed up. I'm going to need help with this. And there's, okay. so there is like a level of trust in the, in a good attorney client relationship where um, there's a mutuality and a good fit and, and you feel like it's a good connection. So I always encourage people when they're looking for an attorney for mm -hmm. any specific thing, even when they're hiring me, they call me a referral. I'll say, you know, if you don't like me, call someone else. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like offended. If I, <laughs> if you don't want someone, there are a lot of attorneys who have no sense of humor. Yeah. There are a lot, like, I don't need to compete with those attorneys. Right. Like, honestly, like right. you want someone that's going to be a, an a-hole. There are plenty. Yeah. Trust me. There are plenty. <laughs> so, so, so if you want someone, if you, if you like working with me and you find that I'm a good match for what you need, we're going to get along like gangbusters. You're going to like my work. You're going to pay my bills. I'm going to do a good job for you. I'm going to be happy doing it. We're going to get along great. Right. So understanding that choosing an attorney is a really personal decision. They're just going to take your money. So, I mean, <laughs> you can find somebody. It's just, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's a, it's a business transaction, but as the client to realize you're purchasing a service yeah, and that you want to choose the service provider that fits you, that, that feels right for you. And if you don't like them, fire them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So just basically uh, call around. Yeah. Call, get, introductions. Around. <laughs> get introductions. Yeah. I mean, if you really seriously want to talk to people, I'll introduce you to some people and, you know, I'll say like, I don't do entertainment law, but, um, you know, I have a friend who's looking for, um, looking for a consultation or has some things that, that she wants to check out. And, you know, you, and, you know, even the person that I introduce you to might say, uh, it's not exactly a fit, but you want to call my friend so-and-so. Yeah. You know keep, what I mean? Keep getting passed around until you find your one and only. <laughs> you have the thing that the people want, which is the money. Like you're the yeah. one that's going to pay the fees. So, but I think getting recommendations, I wouldn't necessarily go to the phone book. It might be a place to start. Yeah. But I would ask people like, Hey, have you ever hired an attorney? Do you know anybody? Like I'm looking around. I just want to sit down with, I just want to sit down with an attorney for an hour. Do you know anybody? Ask your creative friends. Right. You might know somebody who knows somebody and unlike an agent or a manager or a producer, an attorney is not going to like try and like keep the door closed to you. Yeah. Okay. It's a different, if it, it's a different mentality. And if they are like, who wants to work with them? Screw them. <laughs> right. Like an attorney is like, like we're here to provide a service to you. And so they're going to want you to come in. They're going to want to work with you. And so just finding someone that you want to work with that you're like, okay, this person seems good. 
you know, don't be too impressed by the flashy website. Um, <laughs> but you know, this person seems decent. They seem competent. They seem like, like we could have some things in common. Like I would feel comfortable with this person. That's it's, it's really that kind of a feeling. And I would recommend people if you're, if you're serious about pursuing a career, I think kind of the, the long story, a long way around the long, 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 long end <laughs> answer to your question is I think it's good to develop the relationship earlier because you don't want to be looking for an attorney in a rush. Yeah, that's in true. a hurry. You know, you get a contract in and you need to sign it by tomorrow and you're making phone calls. That's how you could hire the wrong person. That's you kind of already want to know, like, if that thing comes in, I'm going to call so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and we'll see. And, you know, I'll hire the one that seems like they have time. I mean, they might be busy that particular day. You know, they seem like they're a good fit or whatever. So you kind of already have like in your phone book, in your phone, like the couple of people that you would want to call. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So do it quick. Well, but don't rush into it. Not necessarily <laughs> quick, but it's something that you want to be. It's a service, pro- like your headshots. Okay. Yeah. It's more like your headshots than it is like your agent. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's more like a, your acting coach than it is like your manager. If yeah. this is someone who is going to provide a service to you, and as you progress in your career, you will have more need for it. Right. Early in your career, when you're getting started, people aren't offering you huge multi-million dollar contracts right away. So, and if they do, you know, great, get a lawyer. <laughs> and if you get a multi-million dollar contract, trust me, you will find plenty. <laughs> But having that relationship from the beginning and having someone that you know is kind of on your side. Yeah. You know, so call family members. You have, if you know someone who's someone's cousin's aunt or whatever is a lawyer, just be like, hey, hey, you know, um, I'm here. I'm kind of getting serious about my career. I was trying to find someone that, you know, maybe I could work with. You know, just kind of ask around and have some, have some names floating in your head so that when you have to make, when you have to hire somebody and you're going to write a check, you know, it's going to the right person. I like that. That's good advice. That's some sound advice, Billy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a story that doesn't, you know, break any laws or name any names, but a fun <laughs> story, a fun entertainment law story but from you or any of your colleagues or even something that you learned or saw in school? Okay. I'm just going to say the first thing that came to mind. It's more of an interesting trivia Okay. Do you know the song He's So Fine by the Chiffons? 1950s yeah. kind of doo-wop song. He's so fine. Do lang do lang do lang. Wish you were mine. Okay. Just put a pin in that. Okay. Think of this song by George Harrison. My sweet Lord, la la My sweet Lord, la la <laughs> George Harrison got sued by the chiffons for that song. Oh, shoot. they said that it was co- infringed their copyright. They won, but George Harrison just bought the label. He bought the label. Yeah. He just bought the label. <laughs> so, so he, he, he ends up getting what they want or they, they won. They won. <laughs> it was infringing. He, he said, basically, he said, I don't know. I was just sort of sitting there one day and this song kind of came into my head. You know, it was right. That's probably sounds a little bit more like um, Paul. I don't really know. <laughs> Nobody really knows what George sounded like. He didn't talk that much. But <laughs> anyway, but that's um, that's a, a little law story. 
Um, <laughs> Fun. More recently, Marvin Gaye's estate sued Pharrell Williams over um, blurred lines. And I, I got kind of interested in following it because these days, like these copyright infringement litigation cases, they use computers and AI and they track like every single note to see whether it matches. And then they present it to a jury and the jury's like, I don't know, they kind of sound the same. How close do you have to be? Do you know that legally? Close like- enough. It's, no, it's, it's in the judgment. It's, there's a, it's a judgment call. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's intentional or unintentional. I think that's the thing that people don't necessarily realize. So in the case of George Harrison, he said, I, I did not copy the song. I just recorded something that came into my head. But, you know, this melody is floating out there in the ether. But we only, there's only so many melodies that could exist, right? It's theoretically infinite, but only so many are going to sound good. Yeah. And in the case of Pharrell, Pharrell was deliberately trying to pull in a certain vibe, right. uh, you know, a, a Marvin Gaye kind of vibe, but he wasn't uh, intentionally, or he said he wasn't intentionally infringing. The song has got to give it up. And if you listen to both of them, you can hear the similarities in the vibe, in the groove. It's not necessarily the same song. Like the tunes aren't the same, but the groove is similar. Since I'm a white rapper, um, you know, the uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby, I, he sampled Under Pressure. I don't know whether he paid for it before he sampled it or after he sampled it, but he yeah. did pay for it. Okay, because that is definitely bun dun dun day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, um, it's a sample. It's, it's directly the same thing. So that's not fair use. You're not allowed to sample and remix stuff. And it's, so it's, it gets very complicated. This music litigation is crazy. It's a, it's a whole area of expertise. And if you ever want to like spend like an hour on the internet, start Googling like musicians that have sued other musicians over copyright infringement. It's a lot. Yeah, I remember, remember whenever Kid Rock had, um, I'm a cowboy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was contested by like an 80s musician. And I think huh. the song was like something about I'm a cowboy. You can be my cow. It did not seem necessarily yeah. the same. And I think he won. It's just like, it's so wild. Yeah, there's a one going on now with um, Led Zeppelin over Stairway to Heaven. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's very interesting if you you know get into to deep dive stories. But uh, Led Zeppelin toured with this other band called Spirit in the '70s, and Spirit apparently wrote a song that they claimed was very similar to "Stairway to Heaven" and claimed to rip it off. Led Zeppelin said they didn't. Eventually, I guess according to Google, uh, <laughs> Led Zeppelin eventually won. But it's it's a it's a fascinating area because there's there's so much judgment when you're talking about music um, and what sounds like what other thing well thank you for sharing that well thanks for coming on the show are you going to do some shameless self-promotion sure um well if you liked listening to me talk about the law and you want to pay 500 dollars an hour for it or more <laughs> you can find me on the internet at max headroom esquire all of my legal advice comes in 280 characters or less <laughs> and that's where people can find me on the internet um, if you're listening to this podcast already and still, for God's sake, what are you doing, people? Are you on a long drive? Why? Where can you go? We're in a pandemic. There's a lockdown. For God's sake, people, find something else to do. Go hug your grandparents, for goodness sake. If they're vaccinated. Get vaccinated. <laughs> I've decided, though, I want to say at the end of my show that if you're listening to the show and you're feeling alone and you're you're having a hard time, there is help. Call the National Suicide Lifeline. The number is 800-273-8255. If you are feeling alone, depressed, there's help. 
We want you here. It will pass and you can be helped. So that is my shameless self-promotion. I'm promoting life. But Kristen, why don't you um, share with people where they can find you? Oh yeah. You can find me um, at the Kristen Lucas. Uh, T-H-E-K-R-I-S-1-0 L-U-C-A-S. That's on all the social media, whichever one you prefer. Let's hang out. Awesome. Laying Down the Law is a product of Beyond Unreasonable Doubt, produced by Jeffrey Feitner and Verboten Productions. Our music is Galactic Damages by Jingle Punk, used with attribution and no payment. Our cover art is courtesy of the Mighty Q, used with permission and with payment. I want to thank all of our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please tell a friend, subscribe, write a review, leave us a rating, five stars, no less. Otherwise, don't. It really helps us reach more ears. If you're not enjoying the show, you should have tuned out by now. You're a masochist. Please feel free to tweet at me at Max Headroom ESQ with any questions, comments, or suggestions. And if you don't get the reference, you're too young for this show. I'm your host, Billy DeClerc, aka Max Headroom Esquire, and I am a knight in slightly dented armor. Awesome. What's QED? QED means that's the end. That's what you <laughs> do at the end of a proof. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. That was fun. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, it really was fun. Thank you so much.